a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to the Empowered Mind, Empowered Health Podcast for the Conscious Game Changers with Dr. Jane. Please like, share, and subscribe. Just be the wave. Today we have David Ditchfield from England. David has an incredible story to share with us. He had a near-death experience after being dragged under a speeding train. And while surgeons were attempting to save his life, he left his body He came back with some incredible talents. He paints incredible art that you can see behind him. And he composes music now. And he he didn't even know how to read a note before. The reason I love these stories is that it reminds us all that we have the ability, if we practice, to tune in and achieve our, our greatest good. And I think that David's story inspires us all to be the best we can be. So thank you for coming today, David, to share your story. My pleasure. Great to meet you, Dr. Jane. So good to meet you. So where should we start that day that was terrifying, but has led to beautiful things? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it all started on a February day, a very bright, sunny February day, and a cold one. And I was seeing a friend off at, at a rail station in in Cambridge, UK. Um, so I stepped onto the train with my friend to help her on with her bags, and then we had a hug and a kiss to say goodbye. And it was at that point, as we were saying goodbye, that we heard the emergency buzzers going for the automatic doors to close. So. Um, so I stepped back, and as I did step back to get off, um, my coat got trapped in the automatic closing doors as they slammed to. Um, now this was quite a quality coat, and so it was quite thick, and I just couldn't pull it free. You know, there was no way it was going to come out. I really tugged at it. Um, I looked around to see if I could find a guard. That was my first thought, you know, and, and I didn't realise, but there was no guard on the platform um, that particular day. And uh, so I just, you know, yelled at the top of my voice, really, for help, and nobody turned up. Um, The engine started to rev up on the train, and as they did, uh, I suddenly felt this sensation of fear going through me, thinking, this is not good. I'm not going to get free of this this door. And um, I looked into the eyes of my friend Anna, who I was seeing off, and then when I saw her face, I realised that, this was it, I could be facing death. And um, so the car pulled out the station and it pulled out at a great speed. Um, I felt every gear shift on that train. Uh, I lost my footing uh, 
eventually and was dragged along the platform at great speed and then I got suddenly pulled between the edge of the platform and the, and the speeding train itself and under the wheels. So it's, it's a huge drop from the platform itself down and it felt like a huge drop because time was really strange as that, as, as that whole accident, um, the accident itself unfolded. It's like it had become like cinemascope, if you like. I was able to take in everything that was going on around me and it's like it wasn't in slow motion, but it was like I got a lot more time to think things through. And I just remember thinking, relax your body. That's your only chance now. So I did. I just relaxed it. And as I did, I felt this all, I heard this almighty rip. And I just fell down. And I just remember seeing the carriage doors somehow disappearing into the sky. And then I just went down into this dark pit of, um, you know, oil and, and terror, you know. And, and I was just tossed around relentlessly. And I suddenly felt the sensation of it was me, just me, flesh and bones against this huge mechanical beast. Then I thought, I'm not going to let you take me. I don't know why, but I just decided to go into fight rather than flight. But um, I still remained relaxed and conscious throughout, and I just got thrown around relentlessly. And then I suddenly found myself thrown to the ground as the train continued on. And luckily, I was in between the tracks. So I just kept my face down in, into, the, into the gravel, hoping for the best that nothing would hit me over the back of the head. The train moved on eventually, and, uh, uh, yeah, and I just lay there, obviously, in complete horrific shock. I couldn't believe I'd survived, to be honest with you. And so it was amazing. And the, the first thing I saw was this beautiful blue sky. And I just felt in touch with, with that sky at that point, and in touch with nature, you know, because it was just such a beautiful moment to know that I'd survived, even though I was really shaken. So, um, yeah. And what kind of train was it, David? Was it an outdoor train or a subway? Yeah, it was an outdoor train. Yeah, it was an overlined outdoor train uh, that was heading down to London. So, yeah, so it was quite a high speed one. So you must have landed between the wheels of the train some miraculously. Yeah, exactly. Miraculously. Because um, it's interesting because the rail police, the national rail police in the UK did an investigation that took a year and uh, they did all the measurements. They even said how long it took. They said it took you 13 and a half seconds from the moment your, the train pulled out and you went under. And I said, wow, that felt more, more like minutes. As I said, time stretched, you know. And uh, so they also said, we've just banging our heads together. We, you should not have survived that. We've done all our, all our maths and, and measurements and you should be dead. You, you went under the wheel, you should not have survived. But I know now that something far greater than me and all of us, um, you know, saved me that day, something really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, like placed you just right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, it's I'm not alone. I know since my accident, I've I've heard or well, cases on the news of other people have had you know, miracle escapes from crazy accidents. You know, there was only last week there was a guy uh, in uh, in in the the world Monaco sort of not Monaco a Grand Prix sort of car racing thing and he was going you know like high speed and crashed and the car was engulfed in flames it was like a huge ball of fire and got out with with hardly any at all you know and they say it was a miracle that he survived that and I thought whoa there you go there's another 
incident of a guy who was like saved for a reason. But I'd love to see where his life goes next. I'd be interested to see, you know, if if he's has has any spiritual sort of attachment to it afterwards, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, many, you know, I think we all have the ability to do what you have done and it's probably changed so profoundly from before to after, which I would love to hear about. But, you know, we're learning from you. So we don't have to have these like really crazy experiences. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to make that clear to everybody that the way my life turned around afterwards and changed for the better um, doesn't really have to come from uh, a terrible accident and, and a near-death experience, basically. It, you know, it can come from, from actually within. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. So what happened next? You were taken to the hospital and... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, the emergency guys were there really quick and started cutting through my clothes and stuff. And there, they somehow got me off this platform, which was like you know uh, a, a deep drop. And then they got me in the ambulance, and we we kind of I remember we got in, and the doctor said, "Look, there is a hospital around the corner, but the one that's going to save you is is about a twenty minute drive. Can you do it?" I said, "Yeah, let's go." So the sirens were like screaming, and we just went down the highway like a, like a rocket. And uh, when we arrived in the hospital, the, you know, there was a whole team of medics waiting for me, and they were working on me straight away. Um, so I, I was still pretty nervous, to be honest with you, because my left arm had been severed. I'd seen that afterwards, straight away after. And so I was losing copious amounts of blood. And I could hear there was a lot of fear and sort of, you know, panic in these doctors' voices. And I couldn't tell what they were talking about because obviously they were just, it was all science that was going over my head. And then my family arrived. They were there really quick. Again, time was all really kind of surreal. They're just like, wow, my family are here, you know. That was amazing, but I didn't question it. And they came in to see me, and my mother was in tears, and uh, you know she was just like holding my hand, and and um, I was apologising, and I said, "Mom, I'm so sorry. It's always me bringing dramas to this family," which is was I always was, you know, I was always this kind of like that my life was always messing up so much, you know. And she said, "It's not your fault," which of course it wasn't, but. This gives you a picture of the kind of person I was, where I was always at. Anyhow, it was pretty much soon after that point when we, when I'd seen my family. And I'd seen my friend Anna as well. She'd arrived. I was so pleased to see her. I had to connect with her. You know, we'd just been through this massive ordeal together. And I just wanted to check she was okay. And uh, of course, she was really shaken. She was just like, her head was just going like this. I can't believe. She said, I thought you were dead, you know. And um, anyhow, I... It was at this point that I was in an enormous amount of pain and uh, that I, I found that I, I left my body, basically. And I went from all that frantic sort of, uh, sort of high-tension atmosphere to somewhere very calm, somewhere very warm and dark, um, but not a foreboding darkness. It was a very comforting dark. David, and, did uh, it happen suddenly? Like you were one place one minute and then somewhere calm? Yeah, like yeah it second. did do, yeah. Yeah, it, it it felt like it felt like a very sort of uh, beautiful transition. It wasn't like a suddenly like suddenly switching on off a light or on a light. It, it was just suddenly I was like, it's almost like I just gone oh, like that, you know, and I just breathed out, and suddenly I was somewhere else, and uh, and it was um, it was it was interesting because straight away I was very aware 
uh, uh, of the change. And I was very sort of like, I questioned it immediately. I figured that I'd die to be honest with you. I didn't sort of try to resist it. And I've heard since other reports that some people do try to resist uh, when they go into a near-death experience and they want to come back because they, they want to live. I mean, I wanted to live, I didn't want to die, but it was kind of such a beautiful relief to go from where I've been that I couldn't help but naturally just allow myself to go with, with where I was. Um, but I was, very, I was instantly comforted as well because I, I saw these beautiful pulsating colours around me. They were, like, they were like little landing lights, if you like, and they were just slowly pulsating, all these greens and ambers and yellows. And, uh, and I felt calm straight away by that. Um, were they all around you, David, or on like... Yeah, they were just kind of like on a, on a parallel all around me, really, you know, as if, as if they were just kind of there surrounding me. You know, as if as if you were kind of laid and somebody had lit candles all around you. You know, but these weren't they weren't candles. These were like they were they, they were like nothing that I could see now that I've never seen that I'd ever seen in my life. So it's hard to describe it because, as I say, they were just slowly pulsating and they were just almost like a sort of like a I don't know, almost like in a mist as well. So so yeah, and so I kind of thought well if I'm dead where am I you know and I kind of like I remember just kind of lifting my head and I, and I realized that I was laid on on what appeared to be like a huge slate rock like a, a huge medieval altar is the best way that I could describe it and um, it felt very comfortable to lie on which is strange really because I also realized at that point that I was no longer clothed you know but my, my body felt very comfortable on this rock and um, I was just covered in this blue sheet as well. And this blue sheet was almost like a, a satin sort of sheet mm -hmm. uh, that was like keeping me very calm and relaxed. And, uh, and I felt comforted by it. And I could comfort blanket that a child would have, you know. And, and the um, scene, like we're gonna talk about how you painted it afterwards, but the scene yeah. behind you has that blue sheet, yeah? That's right, yeah, that's 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 it laid, laid across me. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, I laid my head back and and as I did do, I, I kind of, I realized that there were three grids of white light that were kind of closing in towards me. And in coming from these grids of white light, there's this pure sort of energy as well that I couldn't take my gaze away from because it was like, I felt like it was healing me and comforting me. And uh, it was a beautiful light. Uh, it, it, it was so intense and bright that normally it, I wouldn't be able to look into it if it, it was as bright as sunlight or, or very bright light, you know, but it wasn't like my eyes could handle it. And in fact, my eyes didn't want to stop looking. And I just kind of felt bathed in, in this light. And I lay there and enjoyed it. And, uh, and then I suddenly felt the presence of, of, of somebody else, like there was somebody else that had arrived at the scene, if you, can, if you like. And then, so I lifted my head. And there was there was a there was a person disturbed uh, just at my feet to the to the right of my feet, and um, I described this person as being uh, neither male nor female uh, in appearance, with this um, beautiful white blonde hair and this skin that was uh, glowing. There was like a light coming from within it, and uh, wearing just a very contemporary black t-shirt and. Um, I remember thinking, 
I know your face. I just felt like I, I know you, don't I? And I kept saying, where do I know you from? And this being of light just kept grinning back at me and reassuringly as well. And I felt guarded and comforted by this, this being. I thought, you're here to guard me, aren't you? You're the, you're the keeper of my soul, you know? And um, it was interesting. I just, because a lot of telepathy was coming through as well. There was no spoken words, you know? So all this information was coming through. So I knew straight away that this was, this was my soulmate, you know, this is my, my higher self, I, I figured, you know? And that's why I felt that I knew this, this being so well. So I laid my head back feeling very, you know, guarded by all this and, and, and embraced all this energy that was coming from, from the light above me. And eventually I suddenly felt the presence of more people. And I opened my eyes and there was, and there were, there were two female forms either side of me, which you can see in the painting here. And they just got their hands kind of gently going over my body and uh, as if they were healing uh, my body. But it felt more like they were healing my soul because I also realized that all the wounds had been had gone when I looked at my arm my arm was back in place it wasn't even a scratch you know but they still continued to hover their hands over my body and uh, so yeah you can see in that painting there that the 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 girl to my my left was just wearing again a very contemporary brown dress and long brown hair and uh, the girl to my left was um, um, more sort of uh, Asian Indian or American Indian in appearance, wearing a, a more traditional sort of white colored dress. And um, the energy that was coming from their hands was just so powerful. It felt like love that was coming from them, that was radiating from them. And it was just like this overwhelming sensation of, uh, of unconditional love that was, that was coming right through me. So, I just embraced all this as, and, and, and tuck it all in, you know, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to sort of allow, wanted to stop. In fact, I didn't really think about where it was going next because time had stopped for me. I'd stopped thinking about time, you know, and uh, uh, I did start thinking about my family uh, at this point and I suddenly figured, well, they're going to be, they were pretty distraught back at the hospital and now they're going to be, you know, very upset because uh, clearly I've died. So I thought I would see them if I looked over the edge of the, of the rock itself. And uh, so I looked down to see if I could, but I couldn't see anything at all other than this most incredible sight, which was like a, uh, what I would describe as a, a huge waterfall of stars. It was like this beautiful sort of, um, like the size of Niagara, but instead of water cascading on the edge, there were millions of stars that were sparkling and just, falling over in a very powerful manner uh, with shooting stars just dropping through the middle. And I looked down and the, the further that I, my gaze could, could take, I found myself looking from one galaxy into another and into beautiful nebulas and colors. So I realized I was in the universe itself and not in a small darkened room. As I beautiful. And, and so you were feeling this incredible love healing and did you, did you feel the rock underneath you? Cause it's almost like you were floating in the universe. Yeah, I did. It, it, again, you see, it's very odd because it's like, it's another sphere that it, it's, it's as real as, as I am sat here now. So you, you feel the sensation of it being real, but it's a different sort of real cause it's a different realm. 
And so the laws of science are different. So yes, I felt like I was, my body, the gravity of my body was actually pressed against this rock because I felt the slate underneath me. But uh, at the same time, I felt that I was floating as well, that the rock itself was, was, was floating and then we were in the universe. And uh, it was a very powerful feeling to know that I was amongst the stars and I was, uh, that I was out there in this incredible universe that I'd never really saw anything about before, you know, but now I think about it a lot, you know, the universe plays an awful lot in my life now, you know, I'm very fascinated by it, I'm fascinated by, by, you know, the science of the universe and, and what discoveries they're making about it. Yeah, and our part in it. Mm, and our part in it, absolutely. And I'm realising more and more, because uh, the intuition keeps continuing to come through to me, that we are such a part of the universe, all of us, you know. And, uh, you know, it's not that we're here on Earth, on this planet, and it's out there, it's like it's, it's the sky, you know. It's not, you know, we're a part of it. And uh, we're very guided by it, we're very guided by the universe as well. That was something that I realised when I was there. Yeah, if we learn to tune into that. Yeah, that's that's it. Absolutely right. We need to tune in. That's it because it's uh, we don't need to. I shouldn't say we need to, but it's 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 a good thing to do to allow yourself to tune into that tune into that energy because that's what the universe wants from us. You know, what the universe wants wants us all to to recreate and and you know and our energies just to keep growing and moving because that's what's that's what's happening with the universe. I mean, that's, it's like I heard one of one, a UK scientist talking on a program recently and he said the line, he said that the universe is constantly moving forward. And I thought, yes, that's it. That's exactly what I felt when I was there was this forward motion. I felt like the, that, that it was just constantly moving forward. And, uh, and I'm very aware of that and that it wants us to keep moving forward with it, you know, um, because we spend an awful lot of time being preoccupied about the past and the future and concerned about both of those. And, and that really didn't exist for me when I was in that realm. Right. So you were totally in the moment and just experiencing that so fully, you could bring that back to your everyday life and use it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's exactly how I felt. I was totally in the moment. And uh, it, it just felt like a the right place to be for the first time in, in the whole of my existence. You know, I felt I'd spent so much time thinking about all the past, all the mistakes I'd made and all the things I'd done wrong and all those kind of things, you know, and think and worrying about the future at, at the time of my accidents, I was completely broke and um, I was down to my last penny and I, was, I got debt collectors after me and everything. So I was concerned about my future. And, and so, yeah, I realized that we were, we're consumed by both of those things and we shouldn't be. And it's, so much easier just to focus on the moment. And of course, things go wrong in our lives and, and we, we worry for our future. But if we do actually stop and say, hey, you know, let's just, let's just look at where we're at at this moment in time and it's not that bad, the actual present, it's, it's better. And, yeah, and if you could share too, like your wisdom in this experience that I think that if we if we learn to tune into our own heart and live in the moment, then we become creative and we become more of what we're meant to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what happened to me. You know, I had no idea just how creative I was because I was, uh, I'd left school without qualifications. So all the time, all I was concerned with was trying to find work, you know, casual work, casual labouring work, and just to pay the the bills and pay the rent and what have you. So I never thought creativity would would come into my life, and uh, now it has done. You know, it's 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 it was like a natural progression for me following my experience, and uh, and it's 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 something that I think that we can all tune into. I mean, a lot of us did tune into it. Interestingly enough, when when the pandemic happens at the, at the beginning of this year, especially in the UK, there was all this stuff all over the internet and all over the news of people turning around saying, "Hey, I'm doing. I'm starting to paint now. I'm starting to like do create clay pots and and baking bread for the first time in my life." You know, and it's all those things that people have got within them that they were allowing to come through. You know, because the world had stopped. You know, it was a bit like like me. I, I suddenly felt when we when the whole thing happened. I felt the I felt the energy of the of the of the earth almost like come to a sort of like jolt like that. It's like whoa, what's just happened? You know, it's just and uh, so yeah, we we can all do that. We can all tune into that that sort of have, yeah. You have to jump off the hamster wheel a bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so David, I know that you experienced this. You know, some people describe a tunnel. Did you yes, see that right, yeah. or feel that at all or any experience? I did do, yeah. I did. I saw I saw a tunnel of white light and it's it's kind of in that painting there you can just see it in the distance and uh, just behind yeah. all the all the guides and angels there. And uh, that tunnel of white light was a very intense white light. It was very huge and it was surrounded by all these dramatic flames that were just slowly rotating around. So it was very awe inspiring. And, um, you know, but again, I wasn't, I didn't feel any fear. There was no sense of, oh, this, this, what is this? What's, what's happening? Am I going to get sort of like pulled into this or anything? But I didn't. I just thought, wow, this is just absolutely incredible. Because what had happened then was this energy of love that I was feeling from the other beings, from their hands and from the, the, the grids of light, had now been turned up like a huge dial. And this energy of love was coming from, from this source of white light, this tunnel of white light. And it, it felt like every single molecule of my body was, was like vibrating with this energy. It was just so intense. And it was a, it was a beautiful feeling. And, and I, again, the telepathy told me at that point that what I was now staring at was, was the source of all creation. This was, this was God, you know, this was, um, this was not what I'd assumed God would look like. Not because we, most faiths that we've got, you know, God comes in some kind of human form. And, uh, but it wasn't, it, this was it. This was this tunnel of white light that was closing in with all these beautiful flames. And that's, that's, that was a, a very profound moment in, in the whole experience. That was like, that was like kind of the end turning point of the experience, basically. That's, it was pretty much at that, at that point that I laid my head back, grinning with absolute joy that I suddenly found myself back in, into my body, back in the hospital, you know. And that happened really quick as well. That felt like a sort of, I felt like I'd just been dropped from space and it was just like, whoa, you know, because I guess if you think about it, going from all that beauty, going back into the hospital, it was just like all the, all the noise and the sound and the light was just uh, sort of on, on overkill. It was like, oh, I, could, I wanted to cover my ears and my eyes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
You know, since I've been really small, every time I drive through a tunnel, I get this sense of calm. And it, I always, when I was really small, I'd think, oh, it's like going home. So <laughs> I, don't, really I don't know. Beautiful. And I would always be very happy. And then you'd come out the other side and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. they must have intended for you to come back. And there was a healing that happened while you were there. And um, they, yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, so, yeah, they must have intended for you to come back, like, and to heal your soul in a way in order to share what you're doing now. Yeah, that's what I figured. I thought straight away, I thought, why have they sent me back? And uh, what's my mission? I felt like I got a mission to, to fulfill, if you like. And um, so, I remember they, they, they wheeled me into theatre straight away. I was, I was under, uh, for about eight hours while they operated on me. And I remember coming through that night and I, I was in this room on my own in the hospital that they'd given me, which was great because I'd got loads of peace and quiet. But I got loads of time to sort of think through everything that had just happened to me. First of all, dealing with the horror of the accident. That was, I was still in shock over that. But more dealing with the, the whole near-death experience it was just for because I knew nothing about near-death experiences at that point you know spirituality didn't come into my life so I figured that I was the only person that this had happened to you know and uh, I thought how am I going to tell the world about this and how am I going to remember it all you know because it's just got to be remembered and so I just thought right I'm going to paint it I'm going to do a huge painting I'm going to do a big canvas and uh, I'd never done a, a canvas before but I wanted it to be big because I wanted it to be like like the Renaissance paintings that you see, like Michelangelo, all those depictions of uh, of Christ and stuff. And so, so yeah, um, and so I did. So I, as soon as I was well enough and got out of hospital, I I am um, I my my aunt came over from Canada and she just went out and bought it for me because she heard me talking about it. So I had no excuse but to start on it. So I did. Um, some friends of my sisters were around this uh, yoga uh, health center like a pilates center in there and my, my friend now she's a really good friend now and richard they said look we've got a studio space that's that's spare at the moment and for, for the week and you can come and start your painting there so i said okay um let's do it so i did so i went in i got no because i was obviously i was worried about starting it i didn't want to get this wrong you know and, but as soon as i started painting it was the, the paint was going on that canvas and, and the images were coming through just as, just as i'd wanted just as i'd seen them so i knew as as this as the week was going on that i was being helped i was getting energy from from this place of this being because i still felt a connection to it I felt, still felt like there was an energy between myself and them that was still there. You know, they weren't just letting me go. And uh, this continued on. Um, and my friends turned around and said, look, you can stay. You know, you're clearly not going to get this finished by the end of the week. Um, so th they didn't charge me. I stayed there for two years. <laughs> and I was just being, yeah, it was, it was amazing, you know. And uh, they loved having me there. You know, they said, look, People are coming into the center to get to, for, for yoga and they want to come up and see what you're doing. And so I became like known as the artist in the attic. So that was great because I met quite a few people who were taken in by the story when I told them what the painting was about. So it made me feel comfortable about telling everyone. I thought people do actually want to hear about this. They're not kind of thinking like, 
okay, you know, <laughs> but people were very seriously, you know, um, open to hear about it. Yeah. Yes, we're excited to hear about it. So is the painting behind you the first one that you painted? Yeah, that one is, yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's the very first one that I did, yeah, yeah. And um, so you would have painted that and then without any painting experience before? That's right, yeah. So I've got no experience whatsoever and, uh, and it was just coming together as I went along, basically, and uh, I just threw everything into it because I just thought that was just going to be the only one I did. But yeah. once I finished that, I was felt compelled to do another and another and I just kept continuing doing them you know and, uh, that one there that's a, a painting of Christ um, and that's um, that's the third one that I did and uh, that came through uh, following a, a healing session I was I'd, I'd found a spiritual church because um, I wanted to f try and find some people to chat about what had happened to get some kind of affirmation if you like not confirmation you know, just to see what people might and they got it when i when i went in there and they said oh yeah you have a near-death experience you know so they kind of knew exactly what had happened to me and so they were brilliant and uh while i was there they said we do spiritual healing if you you look in a pretty bad way and would you like to come along i said yeah i'd love to so i started going for spiritual healing and that spiritual healing is very much like reiki healing uh, from what i gathered and uh you know it's kind of like hands-on but the spiritual healers actually, they do exactly what I'm doing with their painting. They're kind of channeling energy through um, from, from my guides and, and their own guides. And, the, and this energy comes through and, and heals me. I mean, in those early sessions that I was, because I've been healed on, on, on a sort of like a, almost like a, similar to a massage sort of bed, you know, and I'd been, I was told by the healers quite recently, they said, do you remember how you used to levitate off the bed when we were healing you? And I was going, no. I, I said, I, I remember my arm being lifted, almost like it was being lifted by, by another force. Um, well, both arms, you know. And I didn't realise I was actually levitating. They were going, oh, yeah, you know. But they loved it, you know. They, just, they said, you're just soaking up the energy you are. You're just, you're just so open to it. But I'm not surprised because I think where I've just been, I've been, I kind of, learn that that's what you do just allow that energy to come in you know right and so with the change of vibration you would become lighter do you I think guess that's so. what I, don't, I don't know what yeah. it is you know it's like i find that i don't i don't like to question it too much you know because unlike um a lot of scientists scientists need to have an answer need to have an equation to say right that happened because there was a vibration blah 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 and i, I don't know what it was i just kind of like feel like it happened it hasn't happened since you know it was very i have to stress that it was very much at that stage like i say that i felt that their energy was still very strong you know from from the other side that i'd just been to and was still guarding me and protecting me i think i felt a lot of protection from them yeah can you describe that any that energy anymore what the feeling is of it must have felt like love or you know, is there any way of describing it? It's, yeah, it is. A, it's a, an absolute feeling of unconditional love. And, uh, and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's like all the feelings of love that I, that I'd experienced throughout my whole life, whether it be through from my mother, you know, my, my father, my, my, my lover or, or my pet cat, you know, all those different sensations because they're all different levels of love, but they're all condensed into one. And, and when I say it's unconditional, there's no, 
there's no kind of like I want something back from you because in, in a lot of love there is there is that thing where you you do give something back to that person they didn't want anything back from me at all they were just they were just quite happy just to give me that love and they, they and that was the message and so it's very powerful and so, so because of that it was I was able to, just to, to let myself go and embrace it and I didn't feel I got to give anything back I mean I do in all fairness I do give a lot back now I give a lot of of um, total thanks and appreciation to to the healing that I get through from them and not only that that the energy that I help I get that I channel through into my paintings and now my music as well you know they also help me with that so I'm, I'm constantly thanking them you know, because I you know it's it's it's, a, it's an amazing thing to, to be yeah. getting from them yeah well yeah and gratitude continues that energy doesn't it I, you know, I've had short experiences, maybe a few hours where I felt it. And it's always come at a time when I'm just willing to help whatever needs to be helped. And it feels like, you know, giving that up to the universe and you can feel yeah. it, but it's hard to sustain. Yeah, it is hard to sustain, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, because, I mean, it's one of the things that I, that, that I had a bit of a, a hard sort of bump with, I guess, you know, because of that which was when I came back from the accident and the, and the near-death experience, I was just so filled with all this love that I felt that I could continue to, to walk through life filled with it and to give it to others. I just wanted to give so much love, you know, and uh, I realised that it wasn't that easy, that other people didn't quite get it, you know. There were times when, when people were kind of like thinking, you know, what, who is this guy? You know, kind of thing. And not only that, I just found, I mean, I, there was a legal thing, obviously, after such a big accident like that. And so that arena was very tough for me because, because I was, you know, my lawyers were turning around. You know, I was turning around saying, I'm asking after the, the train driver and stuff like that. And he's going, look, you can't ask those questions. You know, it's like you can't show any, any sense of, like, forgiveness, you know, because it's a, you've got a legal case on here and stuff and which is like and so it was very hard for me to sort of adjust to that if you like to adjust to that this is 21st century living this is how our society works it works on that basis of uh, you know you've got you you can't forgive <laughs> basically and all those different things which I, I struggled with at first so yeah yeah hopefully we're moving into something new but yeah. yeah, that's the way people keep control, right? It's fear and I've got something over you and I can't let you know that it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, keeps it things goes, going yeah. in their favor, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. So when did you start composing music? Tell us, tell us about that as well. Yeah, that, well, that came um, roughly... Um, only, only some months after after the actual MDA itself, uh, I'd, I'd been composing, doing all these paintings, and I was having some spiritual healing. And, and a few of the healers there are clairvoyant, and they give small messages at the end. You know, just saying things like, "Oh, I saw," you know, this energy of light that was coming through to you while you were being healed, and different things. You know, and then they started saying, you know. One of them said, oh, well, why am I seeing a violin laid across your chest when I'm healing you? And I said, I have no idea. I can't get that. I can't connect. And then there was someone picking up Beethoven and Wagner and all. I said, okay. And then one of them turned around and said, you're going, they're telling me you're going to write some music about your experience. So I said, okay. 
So I went home and got this old uh, uh, cheap like synthesizer out of the loft and I tried trying to write what I thought would be a song, you know, I didn't think I was going to write anything bigger than that. But as it started to develop on this little synthesizer, all I had was a cassette recorder to record these ideas on. These chord progressions came through, these, these notes that sounded like really beautiful to me. And I just developed them and I thought this feels like it should be played by an orchestra. And um, there was a lot of synchronicity was going on, I found as well at that point. And um, I'd met a cello player who used to come up and see my paintings and we became friends and we were having coffee one day. She said, you know, what's going on in your life? And I said about this piece of music and I said, I reckon it could be for orchestra. And she said, oh, maybe our orchestra could perform it. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, that sounds good. I'm going to hold her to that. So I just developed it and kept working at it to get it to a stage where I thought, I want to have something that I can take to them. And my brother, um, uh, he, he is actually classically trained. He went to university and he, he said, I can help you. I can give you like um, a piece of software because you know nothing about writing music for orchestra. And you can, it, what it means is that when you play the notes on the, on the piano keyboard, it will then sort of the computer will then turn it into notation and, uh, and so I said, okay, that's fine. And then I asked him questions. I said, look, I'm hearing this sound. It's like, and I, it sounds like a, a, like a distant horn from a, you know, a, a, that you would hear from a, the cavalry or something like that. And he'd say, oh, that's a French horn. So, okay. So I'd write all these different instruments in and get to the, all the textures started to come through. And it was like a painting. Again, all these colors were coming, but there was sand. And then I turned around to this friend of mine. I said, look, I've got something that I'd like to show you. It's all finished. And she said, okay. And she, she got the other guys from the orchestra to come and meet me and they said, we'll perform it. I was going, brilliant. So they said, yeah, so um, that, that happened. And, uh, you know, I went to the first rehearsal and that was very, that was very daunting because, um, you know, I'd come from a working class background and I still got no idea of anything that I was doing whatsoever <laughs> with this piece of music other than that I'd just been given all these ideas that I channeled to put together. I didn't even know whether it was going to work or not. So I walked into the rehearsal room and uh, the conductor said, oh, the, con the composer's here. And I kind of held my breath and I said, oh, uh, the composer, you know. And then he said, yeah, come and tell us about your piece, David. So I reluctantly went over and spoke to the orchestra about it. And they got it. They really enjoyed it because I said it was about my near-death experience and they loved the whole story. So I stood back and then the conductor's baton came down. And those first three chords that I'd written on that little synthesizer were now being performed by a whole orchestra. And the sound straight away, as soon as those strings floated in, I thought, I've nailed it, I've done it, it's worked. And it just sounded amazing. It was just a, I'd recommend that experience to anyone. It's just really wonderful just to hear that, you know. And so, yeah, and uh, so I, I had to go home and write two more movements for it before it was even performed. So I, I, I did, and I just kept going. I didn't stop to intellectualize it or worry about it. I just let the ideas come through. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. and the concert sold out. It was amazing, you know, because uh, again, I was being, now I was being helped with them. They were helping me to sort of bring the whole thing together in terms of the promotion, you know. I, I, first of all, I did an interview with the local press. And the press, local press guy said, you're the guy who went under the train. 
I went, yeah. He said, oh, this is amazing. This is going on the front page, you know. So from then on, it, the phone kept ringing. And then the BBC said, we want to come and meet you and film you at the rehearsal. So I said, great. So, yes, yeah, so it sold out two weeks in advance because of all that promotion, yeah. So, which was great because it meant that the energy at that concert was just so electric. It was because the people were, they got more people in there than they should have done. So it was like crammed wall to wall. It was just beautiful. Yeah, it must have been incredible. It was. Yeah. yeah, because everyone would be there to experience some of what you'd experienced. And we all want to believe, you know, that because we come here with such amnesia, you know, like we don't, we forget where we came from or where we're going to. And we have to live in such isolation that we all need to be reminded. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I, I, a lot of people came up to me afterwards and talked, and I, I could tell that everyone in that room connected that that night. I mean, there was, there was a standing ovation, in fact, and it was everyone stood up, and and I just knew that uh, it had worked. I mean, I, I sat on the front row throughout the whole thing with my family, and um, um, you know, there was only a very small part of me that was nervous because it was my baby, and I wanted it to all come together, but. I just sat back and enjoyed it. And I, I went through the whole journey. I mean, the, the, the music itself is the three movements and it's all the whole journey from start to finish of the whole experience. And I just felt myself going back there. I was visualizing the whole thing as I listened. So the fact that if I was doing that and it was working for me, then I knew it was working for everybody else in the audience and it certainly seemed to. So yeah, I think you're right in what you're saying there, but I think that everybody there at night just to kind of seem to switch off from their lives and just embrace it, you know, the, the feedback was just tremendous. You know. Yeah, must have been incredible. And you can, I have heard your music, it's on your website, so yeah. I would encourage anyone to go and listen. How long was it, David? In in full oh right yeah um it's, i think it's about 12 minutes in all yeah yeah so, yeah they're, they're more they're roughly about, yeah i think i can't remember now yeah it's, it's terrible isn't it yeah it's yeah. roughly that, that length, yeah. yeah well it's so beautiful so soothing and so full of love it, it's hard to describe what that would sound like or feel like and when you hear it you know yeah oh, thanks thank you yeah, no, I've, I've, I decided to stream it for free on the website because there's, I've written lots of other stuff since, you know, I got commissioned by other orchestras and groups to write things, but that that will be coming out next year. I'm going to put some stuff together where people can actually download that. But that's, that's for later. But just for now, um, I just figured that it felt right to put out this symphony because uh, this was the first one, this was the whole thing about my experience. I just want people to be able to listen to it. So yeah, if, you know, you can stream that on the website if you want to have a listen to it, please do. Yeah, and you've painted 40 pieces of art? Yeah, yeah, I, I was really quite prolific and kept going, you know, and I've done lots of different things and, and stuff, so yeah. So, you know, a lot of it also was very therapeutic for me because I had to deal with, um, well, well, I had to deal with, with, I did one painting which was actually based on the accident itself. And that's called The Beauty Within. And the reason it's called The Beauty Within is because I saw my body kind of ripped open and, uh, when I was laid on the track. And, and rather than just go into this moment of horror and, and freak out, I, I actually remember thinking, wow, 
that's me. Those are all the workings within my arm. I can see every nerve and tendon and muscle. And that's me inside. That's incredible. So I wanted to paint that, but I also wanted to paint the transition of the horror of the accident. You know, I've got the emergency guys down on the track who were first, who were first there. And, um, and then taking it, again, I was led. I didn't know. I wanted to take it from that. I wanted to take it into from that bit and into what happened later, not the actual near-death experience, but just the kind of that beautiful blue sky and then all the healing that came afterwards. And I was led, I don't know why, but it just suddenly went from all that darkness into like this tidal wave, which, which again appeared without me meaning to paint a tidal wave, but that happened. And so that was, a, that's, that was great to take that transition, transition of darkness into light, if you like, yeah. Yeah, so you were inspired as you paint. Does it, can you describe what that feels like? Some people call it channeling. That's right, yeah, I call it channeling as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's something I don't uh, really try to think about too much because it's, because it's such a natural energy that comes through me that um, I try not to think, well, why is that happening? And I don't want to, I, basically what I'm trying to say is I don't, um, ask for it i never say oh can you help me now can you uh, how am i going to do this if i get stuck on something i say oh come on i need your help you know i i just know that when they're helping me and those ideas are coming through it's when i'm actually in the moment again just just as we talked about earlier that i'm not worrying about it then i'm just kind of like it's almost like a, a meditative state if you like and and so so that's when it comes through uh, and when it's coming through, it's it's a sensation of yeah, it's all everything is just coming together, and and I'm realising the obvious mistake that was in front of me that I couldn't even see, and all of a sudden I can see it now, and uh, and then I can just clear the boards and just get straight at it, and then it starts to grow. Yeah. And yeah, and so it just happens very organically, and you almost can't think when you're doing it. That's right, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, the way I, I give a good example, and that is um, if you watch, uh, for example, a musician, a virtuoso violinist, or even a, a rock guitarist, if you watch Jimi Hendrix when he's playing guitar, you know, he's channeling. He's not, he's not doing it by the book, you know. He's not doing it, he's not going through the motion like, okay, I'm going to go on stage and perform. He's like, you know, people say it's coming from his soul, which it is, but... When I watch people like that, real virtuoso, when they're when they're performing, it's just it's just like they've gone into this, like their whole bodies have just gone into a, a relaxed stone, uh, state, and then the energy is just coming through and uh, them, and they're channeling. And so I guess that's one way of looking at it, yeah. is to to look at people like that, watch those performers, and watch the way that they're working and how that music comes through and through their hands, and, it, and it's it's remarkable. Yeah. And I think that's why we're so amazed by it and so captured. It's because You're we right, yeah. can sense it, you know, that it's... Yeah. Yeah. We're going on the journey with them, aren't we, basically? Mm -hmm. You know, when we're watching those people perform, you know, uh, it's, we're, we're thinking, oh, this is amazing. And so you, you just can't take your, your, your eyes off it and because you're going, oh, this, this is... And you enjoy the music more as well. The music's more enjoyable. If, if any musician, if a classical musician is playing without the sheet music in front of them. It's like, it's like, it's, you can tell that they've lifted that dimension and the, that frequency, if you like, 
uh, to a different level. Yeah. It cuts right through to our souls. Yeah. So, David, a bit more about your experience of painting. It's Jesus that came to you when you were doing the healing with the, you know, the group that you met. What yeah. Was, what was your experience there? Yeah. Well, again, that was really profound. I was, uh, I, hadn't, I'd known, I hadn't really thought about Christ at all throughout my whole life. And uh, I hadn't really thought too much about Christianity after my near-death experience either, other than that I knew that, that I'd seen God and that God existed. Um, and uh, I was in a healing session, uh, having some spiritual healing. And while I was being healed at this particular session, and I was laying out, um, I suddenly saw an image of Christ uh, very vividly just floating above me and wearing like this beautiful white robe and looking very sort of healthy and just and full of light and I just thought wow that's Christ you know and, and uh, I came as, as that healing session finished you know all, like all healing sessions we just sit there and we, we just have some, have some water we don't really talk for a while and then we start chatting and then one of the healers turned around to me and said David while I was healing with you you then I saw Christ and I saw him, he was stood next to you. And she said, in fact, you were stood right behind me and, and giving all the energy right through to you. And I went, no, I said, you're not going to believe this, but I saw him as well. So of course I literally had to go home and just get a, a canvas and get started on that one straight away. So I really enjoyed doing that one. It was just a, it was a, it, it was a very special painting and that one came I suddenly felt that my, my technique was just really opening up and developing when I, when I was doing that one as well. You know, and um, yeah, so, so that's how that one came about. And, uh, well, yeah, your, your technique in the detail is incredible. And like even his halo has like jewels. Yeah, then that halo was big, that happened for a reason because I, those those um, images were the images that I'd seen while I was being healed as well. The light images that were coming through. So I thought I don't want to just give Christ a simple white line halo that you see in most of the old paintings. I thought I want to give him something more powerful because his energy was felt so powerful that particular evening. And um, so I included the, the images that I'd seen throughout those healing sessions in, in that halo. And uh, yeah, and it was interesting again how I was being guided because if you look at the painting, I painted the river first. I started on the river because I, I live next to a river. I wanted to incorporate in here, right next to where I live. And uh, I painted that image and then I painted the sky afterwards. And somebody came in uh, from the, the yoga class and said, oh, it's great the way you've, you've incorporated the image of the crack in the sky and you've reflected it in the water. And I went, have I? And I didn't even realize that I had. I, and the symmetry is all there, which is crazy because as I say, I painted the river first. So that's a very fine example of how I was being guided for that to come together. Yeah. yeah. And any insight into the energy of Jesus? And have you pondered that? Like what, you know, what he has to say to us or yeah well basically his his wisdom is like is just so amazing i mean i i hear a lot of quotes now from jesus by various uh, philosophers and the spiritual uh, speakers that i watch on, on youtube on, online you know like eckhart tolle and um, he quotes uh, christ a fair amount and because because he comes out with such incredible wisdom and, and 
you know, and I just think, wow, that's incredible. This is like 2,000 years ago this, this stuff was coming through. And uh, he must have been an amazing person to have been around, you know, at, at that particular point. And it just seems so more real and profound that he, he existed. And not only that, I, my energy is very tuned into this time of year around Christmas and, uh, and also Easter equally as well. Um, I find that both, in a, in, a, in a good way, in a very beautiful way, I feel very attached uh, to, to Christ and, and the whole thing. I know a lot of us do. I mean, if, if we're Christians or whatever, if, if we're, that's our faith, then, then yeah, we're, we're all tuned in around this time of year. Yeah. yeah, he was a great teacher, basically. And so yeah, it's, it's all relevant to now. You know, it's 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 uh, it's like Shakespeare. It's like Shakespeare. All his a lot of his plays and they could be they've been remade now. They like Romeo and Juliet was made. You know, in, in the 20th, 20th century sort of setting. And so yeah, a bit like Christ. He's just like he's timeless. Yeah, I I always like it's just my thoughts from when I was small. I always thought Jesus came to teach us that we do have these connections with the divine and to be, to be in touch with God and God energy. And, and I guess you could call it, he was Christ energy, but he was very connected to something yeah. greater. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, and I think he was, a lot of his teachings, what I hear now, uh, are basically teaching what you've just been saying yourself, you know, which is is to uh, you know to be in the moment and stuff, and not not to try and you know we're, we're all as 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 our societies keep rolling forward, we become more and more intent with sort of like high achievements and stuff like that, and high goals and making money and, and stuff like that, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I, there's nothing wrong with ambition. It's great, but you know, I just. I know from my own personal experience before my accident, for example, you know, I just, I was constantly surrounded by people who were successful because uh, I lived in London. And so, you know, like all capital cities, there's a lot of people re working in the media. And I just really thought, I want to be part of that, you know, but that was never going to happen for me because I was trying, I was trying to be somebody else. I was trying to be those people and I wasn't even stopping to say, well, how about being, me you know how about just stopping to look at my attributes and stuff my you know what i can give to the world and so i guess a lot of jesus's his teachings are, are, are pretty much about that you know so that's why i think that they're so relevant to now yeah yeah and just to love yourself and so that you can be the best you can be yeah absolutely yeah that's 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 the main thing that yeah i learned yeah and, and then when you do connect to your heart, you're able to connect with something greater. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And that's what I found, that I found that um, once I connected with my heart and, and I was being true and authentic to myself, that without me trying to push doors open, um, the new doors were opening for me. They were just, it's almost like they were just slowly opening and saying, Here's, here's where you're going now, here's where we're taking you, this is where you're meant to be, because this is you, this is your true, authentic self. And it's, it's, a, it's great, you know, I just think it's, it's a, because, you know, it's, it's like being in a, in, a, in a marriage with the right person, with your soulmate, where you suddenly enjoy each other's company and, you, and suddenly life becomes a lot richer, you know. 
whereas being as opposed to say for example being in a toxic relationship that you feel that you should be in but it's never going to work for you because it's it's the wrong place it's the wrong it's not true to your your heart your authentic soul right and in those toxic relationships we're trying to be what the other person wants us to be and so it constantly goes wrong yeah it yeah. Does, exactly it does yeah and, and they're probably in a place as well where they're not happy anyway and they're, they're trying to fix themselves by trying to get you to sort of, you know, go along with that mould that they've got this ideal, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So thank you so much, David. Pleasure. First, I want to ask you what advice, what last little nugget of wisdom you would give people on how to connect to their own heart and just attempt yeah. to be a little closer to what you're doing and then share with people how to get in touch with you and how to listen to your music, see your art. Yeah, sure. Um, well, what I would say is to, um, you know, if, if you don't meditate, it's good to try and meditate. I think that's a really good starting point because if you can meditate, it's, uh, which we all can, it's, it's a beautiful way of just stopping and letting go of all the pressures of the world that are all there and all the, all the kind of things that we feel that we need to be doing and achieving, as I said earlier. And once you do that, um, try and, try and visualise the child within you. Try and visualise that, that innocent child that you once were and look back and try and embrace that young child and, and love that child and say, it's okay, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're not achieving, you know, it doesn't matter about what everyone else expects of you. And then embrace that child. And once you do that, um, you'll start to get close to your authentic true self. And once you do that, just relax and don't expect things to happen. Expectations are not good, you know, it's good just to like allow things to come to and you'll find your voice you'll find your inner voice you don't have to you don't necessarily have to be an artist or a musician you might find something else that you didn't think you could do you might suddenly turn around and think well hang on a sec you know i was i was once working in a bank you know i was once working in the city making on the stock market and now i want to be uh, i want to help people now i want to be a nurse or a doctor or, or you know you could find something that's completely out of your sphere because you'd never thought about it and let it come to you and it will, you'll find it you'll, you'll it'll come to you and once you do that then you'll allow the universe to in and the universe will then want you to move forward and grow and develop and it really will come it'll come to all of us yeah. no really well said perfect Thank, Thank you. you so much. And how do people reach out yeah. to you or find your art? Yeah, please. Yeah, um, as I say, please go to the. You can start. I mean, I've, I've got social media platforms. I've got a YouTube channel, which, which you can find me on David Ditchfield NDE, um, which does various. But I started doing video diaries and they're talking about how I paint these paintings behind me and, and how I compose music and what have you my thoughts um but if you start off by going to the website basically so it's shineonthestory.com so if you go to the website that's like the main hub and then you can stream the music as i said for free you can see the paintings you can click on them and then scroll through them and then if you want to follow my social media sites then you'll see obviously the little icons in there for for instagram where i put my paintings up on there and what have you 
and please do come and follow me and and you know and the book as well the book shine on that's if people want to read the book you know that's my story so that came out in june and that's available through amazon so you know so there you go so that, i think that's pretty much it <laughs> it i love the name of the book shine on it's thank you we say that to each other you know be your shining self shine on i love it yeah thank you very much yeah <laughs> and i'll include those links in the description Thank you so much, David. That was a beautiful, inspiring interview. And for, Sorry, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> and for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you and be the wave. <laughs>